Hello, and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hey, this is Jen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Unabridged. Before we get started, we would love to encourage you to head over to our website, unabridgedpod.com. We post there weekly. We have bookish faves on Monday and book reviews on Fridays. So check us out. And while you're there, you can subscribe to our newsletter, which comes out each month and can help you know what to expect from the upcoming month episodes and special treats, giveaways, things like that, our new buddy read. So yeah, we'd love it if you would subscribe to our newsletter as well. All right, well, today we are talking about Ann Bogle's new book, Don't Overthink It. Before we get started, we wanna do our bookish check-in and then we're gonna let you know all of our overthought thoughts about Ann Bogle. <laughs> so Sarah, what book are you, what's one book you are currently reading? I am currently reading, I'm actually listening to the audiobook of um, Jessica Simpson's new memoir called Open Book, and it is read by Jessica Simpson, and I was a huge newlywed fan, and I think that this is a really good outing for a celebrity <laughs> mem- memoir. I think she's doing a great job narrating, and I think that it's not not as freely as you might think, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I'm really enjoying it, I'm, but I'm not very far, so I'm only about a quarter of the way in. But overall, I'm really liking it so far. Great. Ashley, how about you? I am also not far into the one I wanted to talk about, but I am interested in it. I'm reading Anthony Doerr's All the Light We Cannot See. I've heard great things about how phenomenal this book is, and it has been on my unread shelf for a long time and had been last year when I had my, you know, reworking of all of my books and cleansing and that whole part, like that whole process. I It stayed on the Exorcism. shelf. <laughs> it stayed on the shelf and I moved it to close to the top of what I considered to be my unread books. And I just hadn't gotten to it yet. And and I realized part of that is because even though I had those books, I also have my kind of cur- very mm-hmm. urgent book pile. And it is really hard. I think that Jen and Sarah have this problem as well, that that pile is always growing yes. and there's always new books coming in there. And because of that, I really learned a lot this last year about how I just have to prioritize that unread shelf if I'm mm-hmm. ever going to try to start fitting those in. And so... That was a very long way to say that this one, I decided I would do some audio and reading of it. And that I think is what I'm going to try to do with some of these unread books that I really want to read and just haven't been able to prioritize Mm -hmm. is just seeing if I can get the audio so that I can move back and forth and maybe get through some more on the shelf. Great. What about you, Jen? So I am currently reading Stuart Gibbs's Charlie Thorne and the Last Equation. I'm reading this aloud with my older son, and we have been reading it, I will say, for a long time, because when you only read things at bedtime and it's 300 plus pages, I feel like we've been reading it forever. But those are books. We have really enjoyed Stuart Gibbs' books together. We read all the spy school books this way, and 
they have a lot of action, but there's also great character. And I feel like with this series, Gibbs is writing for a slightly older audience. So since my son is getting a little older, he's almost a teenager. Oh, my goodness. Um, I think that Gibbs is really kind of growing with my son. So we are enjoying that, though we may never finish. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to check back with you on that one. That's right. I'll give status updates every week. It'll be great. Okay. (laughs) So moving on to our main topic, we do want to talk about Ann Bogle's book, Don't Overthink It. First, let's do some general impressions. So I started with Sarah last time. So Ashley, what what did you think? Sure. So I I would say to start with that all three of us read both of Anne's other books mm-hmm. and enjoyed discussing those together. And so it was really neat to see how she's taken on a really a different topic with this book, but the, I think all three of her books complement each other in just personal examination, considering how we can live our lives more fully mm-hmm. and how we can find joy and happiness and our everyday life. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciated that angle on this. And yeah, I mean, overall, I thought it was great. I was really interested in, I mean, I would say that I don't read this kind of book very often that I, I mean, I don't know if y'all would agree that it's like a self-help book mm-hmm. essentially. And I don't typically read that kind. Not that I'm opposed to them. I think that I just, like I was saying before about the unread shelf, mm-hmm. I just don't prioritize them over other books. But I, I think that I got some really great tips out of this one. I look forward to talking about that with you all. But I did feel like she had some great actionable items that yeah. she discussed in the book about the ways that women particularly tend to overthink things, how it can be detrimental to us and what we can do about it. And I, I mean, I really appreciated that. And I think that there were some chapters that hit home more for me than others. But for sure, what I really appreciated was that I thought that while it was enjoyable to read, I also was taking away some some things that I thought I could do in my own life to make a difference. So mm-hmm. that's always a good feeling. Yeah. Sarah, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you, Ashley. I felt the same way. I think that I think also what Anne does really well is she in she kind of weaves in the research mm-hmm. so that you know that her what she is saying is not just her saying the thing. She has also researched it and really well really well and gives, you know, citations and things like that for what she says, but it has this conversational feel to it, which makes it a lot easier to read. Because like you, Ashley, I tend to if I read a book like this, I tend to prefer to listen to it mm-hmm. rather than actually read the physical copy but this time I did read the physical copy and I thought it moved really quickly and I don't think she gets in the weeds too much where Mm -hmm. some of the other self-help books that I've tried to read before seem to just go too far for me as a reader I just need to know what we're talking about and how Mm -hmm. can I help myself do better Mm -hmm. and I think she does a really good job of laying that out in an easy really accessible way. So I really enjoyed it. And it really spoke to me because I'm a notorious overthinker in all the things. <laughs> what do you think, Jen? So I also really enjoyed it. I also went in knowing that I am an overthinker. I think what I really appreciated, I, I would agree with everything both of you said, but the other thing, so I know that overthinking makes me stressed and anxious, but I also just appreciated the way it makes that she showed that it makes you less efficient, Mm -hmm. that it takes up all this brain space, that overthinking is actually detrimental to the very thing that you're trying to achieve by overthinking, like making better decisions, that 
it actually makes you make worse decisions usually. And yeah, so I really thought that sort of her discussion of side effects of overthinking was really helpful because I have definitely felt paralyzed wanting to look at every single possible option that could ever happen. And I'm definitely a perfectionist, which I'm sure we'll talk about more. She talked a lot about the perils of perfectionism and how that leads to overthinking. And oh my gosh, I'm paralyzed like every day. There's something I know I should do, but because I know that I'm not going to be able to do it perfectly, I just don't even start. It's one reason that I procrastinated my way through school because yeah, it's hard to start something knowing that you're not going to be able to achieve the vision you have for yourself. So then I just put off starting it <laughs> until the very last moment, which I'm sure we've all been there. But anyway, so I just, I thought some of the things she highlighted convinced me even more that it's worth taking some of those actionable steps to prevent myself from overthinking in the future as much if possible. <laughs> yeah, I thought too that when when I first started reading the book, I... I knew that there was going to be, you know, things that you can put on a checklist mm-hmm. to help you not overthink. But what I think one of the things that really stuck out to me that I didn't even think about in terms of my own life and my own overthinking patterns is I thought, and I thought that was really interesting was the way that she said that if you can think about your value structure yes. and how, what do you value? And mm-hmm. then that way, whenever something like, like the thing about volunteering and mm-hmm. like when she get, when they give, give uh, or donate to homeless people that they see that have signs when they are driving it's mm-hmm. all that stuff that that you know you think about and you're like I should do this I should do that and you don't and then 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 after the fact I often will be thinking oh I should have done that why didn't I do that I mm-hmm. should have just you yeah. know but that if you say these are my values this is what I'm going to do because these are my values and it's never you never have to think about it again and I was like wow that is really freeing and it's so simple but I never thought of it yeah. in that way before mm-hmm. I do have to say that that specific example there were a lot of moments in the book that were really painful for me because they did hit so close to home and that was one of them where yeah. I was like it definitely makes sense that making decisions based on your values would be helpful. But then I thought, what are my values? Yeah. Like <laughs> now I have to decide what my values are uh-huh. and probably honestly overthink about that. And I, yeah. And then I started thinking about all the ways that I'm not using time the best and that the decisions I make and the thoughts I have are what my life is. And, <laughs> and maybe I haven't been. And Jen is now spiraling. I know, right? See? <laughs> I feel like I could send this to Anne and she could include this as a prime example of everything. But anyway, so I did think a lot of it hit really close to home in a way that was uncomfortable because it was true and therefore it was the right book for me to read. But, you know, growth is not always comfortable. Right. So I definitely had some squirmy moments as I was reading where, yeah, it's. I mean, it's going to be some work to put some of these things into place. Yeah, I loved what she said about, I mean, I think that the example with the grocery store and the flowers, mm-hmm. I mean, clearly the cover yeah. reference, <laughs> references that moment. And so I think it's not surprising that it's such a powerful moment in the book. But I felt like that is just a, such a great capsule of exactly what it is like to overthink and then to let that continue to burden you and like you said Jen I think the side effects part that you know then she didn't get one of the items that she needed even though it was on the list and she was still worried about Mm -hmm. all that stuff long after she'd returned home and I think that's the part of yeah I I mean I think that that I appreciated the playing out of those scenarios Mm -hmm. 
because it is helpful for the reader to, we all have those experiences when you're in the moment and it's hard to get yourself out of them. But I think seeing it on the page and watching it play out for someone else, it's helpful to remember, oh yeah, I can just make this decision for all time and just not think about it anymore. And that, that, that part really resonated for me just about the, the, like trying to have a sense of what your decisions are and that you're going to make that decision every time. Right. And so then you're not having to, then you don't get into that spiral yeah. because you're not getting into, you're not analyzing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that analysis paralysis that she talked yeah. about, yeah. you know, if you can avoid getting to the point where you're having to analyze making the choice, then that's just one less thing to worry about, which made a lot of sense. So I think we've already delved into this topic some, but I just wanted to go through some observations that hit home for you. Uh, hopefully without <laughs> hitting every page because I felt like I was highlighting in my Kindle on every single page <laughs> as I often do. So I will try to spare you. I did have to say I had a moment of triumph and I bet you both thought of me when you read about the benefits of eating the same thing I did. every day I for did breakfast and lunch, friend. which I do. I, think of you. I will say I've gotten some grief over that, <laughs> but it is that moment where I'm like, okay, it's time to make lunch, which I hate, but because I know exactly what it is, I can do it in like five minutes and that's just something that's off my plate. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I off my plate. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I promise that was unintentional, but I couldn't let it go. <laughs> I, I definitely thought of you, Jen, when I read that. And I then I thought, my friend has something going here. <laughs> because I have a lot of things happening in my brain. One thing. And maybe that could be one thing off my out of my mind. Just to, yeah. Now I just got to find that thing. Because <laughs> well, it's not going to be peanut butter and jelly and yogurt. <laughs> Well, and that's what I loved the idea of the food of the meal matrix. Like I liked yeah. and same with the wardrobe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I liked the idea of having a matrix because I am somebody who cannot go that way. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, that's just not. I mean, like she said in the book, there are just people who are very comfortable with that mm-hmm. and can do that every day. And then there are other people who are not going to want to be that limited by choice and I think that I'm that way with meals but I do think we go over mm-hmm. the top sometimes in our family and we expend a lot of energy on it and we love to cook so you know when she talked about outsourcing like what mm-hmm. do you value that you want to take control of yourself versus outsourcing to someone else I think that in our family we all enjoy being in the kitchen we like cooking we like all the different meals that we make but we also expend a tremendous amount of time and energy on it and so how can you do that more efficiently while still valuing the thing and having fun in the way that you can have fun doing it was something to consider for Mm -hmm. sure i think for me too i i mean i've read other books about this but just the the completing the cycle of something because i especially with the podcast and our work and things at home and stacking books Mm -hmm. and all that stuff i tend to start something and i do i take the picture or do whatever it is and then i move on to the next thing without completing that task and then then my house is you know cluttered and it stresses me out and i just i thought Gosh, if I could just think about it as completing a cycle, do the yeah. thing so that it small things, you know. But I mean, I I have thought that before, but it's just hard to put into practice. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. I I would like to be able to do that, do it more effectively in yeah. my life. Yeah, I thought that the points about completing it and why that was important made a lot of sense to me. And something that I've realized lately, just thinking we're reading this book about 
brain science for our division as well. And there's a lot of discussion in one of the recent chapters in that about working memory and how mm -hmm. limited that space is. And that made me, those two, you know, she comments on the working memory as well. And I think that that, that becoming more aware of how a lot of times for me, it's that my working memory is full yeah. and I can't hold on to whatever thing I'm trying to do because I no longer having more space that, I mean, in some ways has been very comforting for me yeah. to realize that because post having children, I mean, it just feels like my brain doesn't work sometimes, but what I've realized is that I'm just stretched so mm -hmm. thin that I, things that used to feel very manageable that were easy to, like you said, you know, complete the cycle, Sarah, that like I used to be able to just do that and, mm -hmm. and knock those things out. It's a lot harder to do that now, but while it's freeing for me to feel aware of, okay, there's a reason why this is happening, it's also helpful to think what actionable items can, mm -hmm. you know, this is the circumstance, that is right. the reality, and like what things can I do about it right. so that I don't feel so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think for me, the thing that resonated the most, I mean, there are some ways that I overthink a lot, and then there are other ways that I think I am able to just be like, I'm not going to think about this thing. I'm not going to worry about it right now. I'm going to mm -hmm. move on. But when it got to the part about the decision making, mm -hmm. that is where I think of my, <laughs> that's where my, that area really shows for me. And I get paralyzed by an ability to make even simple decisions. And so that is something that like a lot of the strategies in that chapter made a lot of sense to me because I felt like even though I think that I have strategies in place to help myself not overthink that's where it manifests yeah. for me is in the decision making is that I might, you know, feel like I have stopped analyzing this thing. But then when it comes time to just, you know, make a choice, mm -hmm. that's when I really rec recognize in myself that that I have had a hard time. And so that's what those matrixes made a lot of sense yeah. to me. And just thinking about how can I minimize? I mean, that's one of the reasons I moved from the classroom was that I once I had kids, it was just really hard for me to come home and have a part of why I did not have any energy was the number of decisions mm -hmm. that I had already made by mm -hmm. the time I walked through the door yeah. to my house. And that that is just something that is hard. And I think that the transition to this, to my current job, I don't have to make quite as many decisions all the time on the fly. But then we have all these other things we've picked up that are yeah. really fun, but require a lot of decision making and, and decisions where the answer is amorphous and mm -hmm. it's not easy right. to know the right thing to do or how to check it off the list or, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I just, a lot of the strategies in that part about decisions made a lot of sense to me. Like, how can I make that easier for myself? Yeah. I think a lot of the book to me was about how can you make these things that you're struggling with easier for yourself? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked a lot of what she had to say about positivity and that you can only control so much about some of your circumstances, but that approaching it with the best attitude possible, which I sometimes struggle with, it is really helpful. And that you, you know, it's that whole control the things you can. And she talks about sort of the worry cycle and like the regret cycle of, and I do this all the time. I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I will just think about everything I did over the course of the day and, and think about doing it all wrong. And I just get stuck in this loop that I can't get out of, of regret. And of course it's the middle of the night, so I'm less rational than I should be, which is not <laughs> great. And then when she said about all of that, that you used to think about what you would say to one of your friends. And I just thought, yeah, we give so much grace to other people, or at least I think most of us do. I think the three of us do, but it's really hard. Like, I feel like we're all very self-critical mm -hmm. and a lot of that is rooted in perfectionism and in mm -hmm. wanting to do a great job. 
but that we give each other a break and we should give ourselves the same break. Yeah. So that really resonated. But again, I think that's hard because, you know, in the middle of the night when I wake up and again, I'm not rational, it's having that routine and that way yeah. to talk myself down that I need to work to put into place. Because right now, if I wake up in the middle of the night, I can't access that to do anything about it other than just continue worrying and thinking about my day or what's coming up or... Yeah, I love the points about distraction yeah. and the power of that and how that a lot of times we don't think, we don't necessarily value the full power of mm-hmm. distraction, but it did make me think. I mean, I used to spend a lot of time scrolling. I had a very stressful job and I spent a lot of time scrolling through this cute animals website <laughs> and basically I could measure how my day was going by how much time I was spending on that site. <laughs> but, you know, at the time it was something I was kind of, you know, I thought was both silly and also was kind of embarrassed yeah. about. But now I'm realizing that, of course, I mean, it's a coping mechanism and, and it's okay to be distracted. And I think that I am bad for that. Yeah, when you realize that you're getting into one of those spirals, mm-hmm. especially on the weekend when you've waited all week, you've kind of held it together for everybody all week. I mean, all of us have a lot going on and then it's hard when you feel like you're getting into that place where you can feel yourself. I mean, just like her with the flowers in the store, you can feel yourself, you know, getting into that cycle and it's hard to just take a break. But I thought, you know, what a great tip Mm -hmm. about just pull up a video for 10 minutes and watch it. Yeah. And you know what? The worst thing that could happen is that you wasted 10 minutes and it doesn't make you feel better, Mm -hmm. but it's possible that that's all it takes to break that cycle. And so I really appreciated that with the distraction and then everything about exercise. Yeah. And that has just been really true for me recently is that I, we always talk about external, I need external motivators to get myself to do stuff. So I have a race that I've signed up for in May and it's put a lot of pressure, enough pressure, not, not too much, but enough, you know, enough pressure on me to where I really had to prioritize exercise. And I've just felt so much better. And I think that her points about, and again, like you said, Sarah, about them being grounded and research. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of support for that, mm-hmm. but it ju- it's just hard when you are not in it right. to know how powerful it can yeah. be. And like, for me, it's been very powerful. And I mean, in the middle of winter was a good time to, <laughs> to remember <laughs> that and to just feel, and I think it is a distraction and it is a way of just kind of turning your attention to something else. But for me, it really works. So mm-hmm. yeah, like the physical movement. And sleep. I mean, I think about how easy getting enough sleep sounds, mm-hmm. but and <laughs> even I told my mom last week, I told her, I was like, I'm going to make sure I get eight hours of sleep every night this week just to see how I feel. And over the weekend I saw her and she was like, how did it go? I said, I didn't do it because <laughs> it's just yeah. so hard. But yeah. I, I mean, I really feel like I'm important enough to try to do that so I can feel better, but it's just like, it mm-hmm. feels really impossible. So I mean, I think all that about diet and exercise Mm -hmm, and, you know, and sleep and taking care of ourselves. I mean, we deserve it. And I I liked reading that and affirming that, but I just, I find it difficult to do all those things and everything else. But I I just feel like we got to prioritize it or (laughs) we'll, we'll, you know, it's going to manifest some other way if we don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm hoping to be able to do better at that in the next few months. I really liked, so I have a lot of routines. Like that is something I feel like I'm pretty good at, but I don't have a lot of rituals. And I really liked her discussion Mm -hmm. of the difference between routine and ritual and what can be gained by 
really being thoughtful and intentional about the things you're doing to take those moments in your day and devote them to the thing itself. Just that whole idea of being present because I'm constantly trying to consume more and read more and, and I don't often give myself very much space to just do nothing and to focus on the thing that I'm doing without also, you know, multitasking, which mm-hmm. I know people say is a myth. I feel like I do it pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that is an illusion, but yeah. So I really thought that was something I could try to implement that wouldn't take long, mm-hmm. but could be very meaningful. Yeah. I really like that discussion too, because I feel like I don't have a lot of routines and I can see where that'd be really comforting mm-hmm. just to get to the routine portion. And then the ritual seems even better. Yeah. But I just don't do well with that stuff. But I, the, the book did help me point out some definite areas of growth I have, possibilities for growth. I would say for all of us. Again, those painful, like some of them, it just, it hit really close to home. And yeah. so again, I think that shows the power of what she's doing. But again, growth is not easy. And yeah. so I think that's what we're all facing is we know it's something we should do to be better, healthier people for ourselves and for our families. But Sometimes breaking the routine that exists now or just the habits that exist now to try to put something into place when it really requires our whole families to be involved. Like, I can't do that on my own. I need my husband and my kids to also be a part of it. And that that feels possibly even more overwhelming. Yeah. And not that they're not supportive, but yeah, it's that's even more. Yeah. Yeah. I loved the part at the beginning, though, about how you know, we, we build these pathways in our brain Mm -hmm. and the more we do that, the harder it is to get out of it. And that building new pathways is hard, but that Mm -hmm. once you're doing it, then those become the pathways that you gravitate toward. And I thought that made a lot of sense. I was thinking about that. And then also what you all were saying about the rituals. I just loved that quote from her friend with the candles where she lit Uh, the candles and she said, I decided I'd just light them anyway. I really like them. You know, they make me weirdly happy Uh considering how small a thing a candle is. So I decided I'd light them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought that was really lovely because I think, again, it goes back to that. I've made the decision. I've made the decision, not just for today, but for all time, Mm -hmm. that this is something that I enjoy and it costs very little Mm -hmm. and I can celebrate it. And I think that I liked both of those things, both the like, how do you find joy and let yourself have that. Uh-huh. And also the having the rituals, Jen, because I think also like I do have routines, but I don't often think of them as something that I'm doing, like just kind of the self-love idea. I mean, yeah. I think, you know, that I'm doing it for myself because I love it and I'm just going to do it and that's enough. Yeah. And I think I don't often do that. So even though there might be things that I am doing in my life that are like that, yeah. I need to label them that to know that Mm -hmm. and to celebrate that and feel like oh yeah that that is something that i've prioritized that i am doing for me Mm -hmm. yeah so i i think we've hit a lot of the ideas that we wanted to talk about for the book so let's just each share a final takeaway from the the book that we want to share i think for me one of the quotes that really stood out and that i marked and i just keep looking at it while we've been talking is Uh, this quote that says mental energy is not a limitless resource. We only have so much to spend each day and how we choose to spend it matters. And I think like when I reflect on having read this book, that really stands out to me because I definitely think I spend a lot of mental energy with worry just every day. And I think, and I worry about things that I have no control over. So I think that reading that has made me realize just how much I do it. And hopefully 
that I'll be able to make some changes to help me be a more positive and happy person or not at least not worry so much about things that are out of my control. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my big takeaway. Yeah, and we didn't talk about the mantras, but I really liked that. Um, like like the rituals. I felt like it was something that like might be part of my life in some ways. Mm-hmm. Like I think there are things that I think to myself. But just again, yeah. recognizing them yeah. and then making them a more purpose purposeful part of my thinking process Mm -hmm. so that when it's the middle of the night and I'm worrying about something I can just remind myself of that until I feel better you Mm -hmm. know because I do think there's a real power in Mm -hmm. that but anyway that was an aside my (laughs) (laughs) sorry I just wanted to I just felt like that yeah it did that Sarah where it's like yeah that you know that there are things that she thinks to herself to recognize that anyway I wanted to say that um she talks a lot about what we value and how our lives reflect it. And I think that while this book, I think for all of us, made us do some self-reflection that again, maybe is somewhat uncomfortable. It was nice for me to think about that because we devote a lot of time, mm-hmm. listeners, to, to this <laughs> podcast. And I think it was really good for me to think, what do I value? I mean, I value reading. I value a reading community. Mm-hmm. I value the love of books and celebrating that in the classroom and in the world. I believe in the power of them. Mm-hmm. And I think it was really nice amid all of this other self-reflection that was maybe not as pretty to think this is something that I devote a lot of time to and you know what I'm proud of that and I love it and I think that that aligns what I am doing and creating aligns in that way with the values that I have and Mm -hmm. you know that feels good and I think a lot of what I took away from the book was how do we celebrate what is going well and then try to you know do that more fully so Mm -hmm. yeah that was the takeaway for me yay so I really liked, I have a lot of takeaways. I'm just going to pick one. I always have the over, the over problem. <laughs> Too many takeaways. It's uh, the overthinking Exactly book. right. Uh, so Anne says at one point, back then I made a critical error, assuming that right meant the same thing as perfect. And I think that is my big takeaway. That is my big goal. I, it's so random, but when I just reread that quotation and it made me think of in elementary school, telling one of my teachers my goal is to have the perfect day where I don't make any mistakes. And her telling me, you don't have to have a perfect day. You're allowed to make mistakes. And I think that's something in education that we've gotten a lot better about talking to kids about that making mistakes is the way that we learn and doing better valuing those. And so I think when Anne said that she is considering things experiments and that experiments require failure, I think that Mm -hmm. is going to be the takeaway that I try to enact immediately is just thinking of things as experiments and that I have permission to start over and try out a new theory or a new hypothesis the next day. So, all right, we are going to finish up with our give me one. And today's give me one inspired by Ann Bogle (laughs) is favorite distraction. I should have called someone. I was like, I want to, I want to cheat and say two. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So one, one, favorite distraction I've already confessed that cute animals are my go-to <laughs> to make me in a happier place so any cute animal videos that is like the one thing my life partner is well aware of this and any time he tries to show me any kind of video if it does not have an animal he knows that I'm going to not pay any attention but as soon as it's like the cute little otter I'm down for it and I'll watch it for 10 minutes so there's that but I also a recent favorite distraction for me is the calm app and I was thinking about that Jen with even with the middle of the night uh, it just has really great 
it's great for meditation and has some really great sleep stories and that kind of thing on it. And I still don't use it anywhere near as much as I would like to, but I have, there have been a couple of times where I couldn't go to sleep or couldn't unwind. And I have eventually not as fast as I would like come around to being like, Oh yeah, I should get mm-hmm. my earbuds. I should listen to that. And it, and it has helped to break that kind of cycle of, you know, anxiety that I think we all get in, especially when we feel like we can't go to sleep, but we know we need to go to sleep and there's that feeling. So, so yeah, I think both of those are good distractions for me. Sarah, how about you? Well, one of my favorite distractions is the trashy TV that I watch is the reason Mm -hmm. that, I mean, that's the reason I watch TV that doesn't require a lot of mental engagement. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, that's the best way to say it. It just doesn't require me to invest a lot of me Mm -hmm. into it, yet Mm -hmm. it's so entertaining. And I like it. And not all of it's trash, you know, not all trashy, but like shows like Project Runway and Top Chef. Mm -hmm. I like those shows, but they do not require me to invest any of myself in it. And I can just be entertained. And to me, like at this point in my life, those are the things that I need to Mm -hmm. watch is just things that entertain me but I don't have to be emotionally invested Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. yeah I almost said tv too but my answer is going to be romance novels and I've been Mm -hmm. thinking about this a lot more lately in at the end of January I realized that I had read a lot of romance (laughs) novels and I had been really stressed in January and I just think like I think there's a lot of value there but I also think they are comforting because I know there's going to be a happily ever after so you know that no matter what tragedies or conflicts happen over the course of a romance novel at the end there's going to be a happy ending and there's not a formula because they're not all formulaic there's some are but yeah there's just that comfort in knowing what to expect and I've just come to realize how much I prize that in reading when I'm stressed and so I think yeah that that would be mine all right well I do feel like I want to say the full title of Ann Bogle's book because I did not read the subtitle earlier so thank you for joining us in this episode about Ann Bogle's Don't Overthink It, Make Easier Decisions, Stop Second Guessing, and Bring More Joy to Your Life. We would love to know what you think about this book. So find us on social media. And if you could find us on Apple Podcasts as well and subscribe, rate, and review, we would appreciate it. Thanks. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at UnabridgedPod.com for a list of ways to support us. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.